Welcome back in to the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Mike Rank, and I'm your host, Elijah Evans, alongside us as always. I hope you enjoy your holiday weekend because us as Sox fans are enjoying the development of very specific prospects this season. What we're celebrating today is a historic moment in Luis Miese's career. We're getting updates on Jacob Burke, Tim Elko, Terrell Tatum. We're celebrating the fact that, yes, indeed, they're moving on to the next level. Oscar Colas is playing pretty well. Will we see him in a White Sox uniform when the White Sox consider them contenders still? We don't want to get too far into the weeds regarding the White Sox AL Central contention, but we'll bring it up. We also have some Colson Montgomery news. Before we get into everything, Let's update you on the standings across the affiliates. The Charlotte Knights, 35-41. and 41. I should mention the second half of the season is underway, so the records do reset, but overall, 35-41 for AAA. Birmingham, AA, 26-44. Winston-Salem, 36-32. That's advanced. I should note that in the first half, they finished a half a game out of a playoff spot and uh, leading their division, so that's kind of rough to see. But, again, a reset. They are having a lot of success, and some of the products that uh, we saw in the first half in Winston-Salem are now moving up, so we'll continue to monitor the promotions, because specifically within single-A, we've been talking about it all the time here on the Roundup, so a lot to be excited about, and that includes the Canapolis Cannonballers as well, 38-31 and 31 overall in the season. We're starting today with Jacob Burke, Tim Elko, and Terrell Tatum's promotions. Jacob Burke first. Moving from Kannapolis to Winston-Salem, Tim Elko, Kannapolis to Winston-Salem, Terrell Tatum, Advanced State, Winston-Salem to AA Birmingham. Elijah and I talked about Terrell Tatum's skill set. We'll get more in-depth about that as we continue on to this episode. I want to highlight Jacob Birch specifically, though, first, because this is an example of what we were seeing in Kannapolis. This is courtesy Dan Alodi of the Cannonballers. Here's the pitch. Burkle Sky, this one into left field. Backtracking Gariola. He looks up. Warning track wall. It's 33 in a row for Jacob Burke. A two-run shot in the bottom of the fourth inning. And Canapolis takes a resounding 6-0 lead in this fourth inning in Atrium Health Ballpark. It's the 33rd game in a row. Jacob Burke has reached base. He is now the baller's all-time on-base streak leader. A 33-game on-base streak broke Colson Montgomery's mark last season. Jacob Burke is now in Winston-Salem. Jeff Cohen, our guy, Triple A Jeff on Twitter, got a chance to talk to Jacob Burke. So let's hear what Jacob had to say. I think uh, the little sample size we had last year, being able to come to Kannapolis and get some experience, it's uh, gave me like a good plan of things I needed to work on and you know how to um, approach this year. And I think it was a good little learning experience and just taking it one day at a time. How many games did you get in last year? 26, oh, I think. That's pretty so, good. That's a good introduction. Right? Yeah, it was. It was a good experience. And what are you working on? What what What's your focus? Um, I mean, I think, uh, like, the org talked to us a lot in the uh, offseason and kind of preseason about how, you know, there's really no need to get caught up in stats or, like, things like that. They look at, you know, exit velos and, you know, expected BA and all that stuff. So I just come out here and try to have competitive at-bats and, Put the barrel on the ball. Usually, when you do that, good things happen. Right, and I, I imagine you get to see um, some good pitching with Tim hitting behind you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that that guy's a special talent, and um, you know, it's a, he's really fun to play with, and 
definitely uh, they got to come to me because they don't want to face him. <laughs> How would you feel about uh, getting the bump to uh, high A and getting to face some high A pitching? Uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to move up, you know? Sure. It's just, I mean, it's another step in the direction that we're all trying to go in. So, um, you know, whenever that, that time is for me, just I'm looking forward to it and approach it the same way that I've approached, you know, this year. All right, Elijah, long time coming for this man. I have a reaction to a couple of things that Jacob Burke had to say in the interview, but what's your reaction to him, as well as Elko and, and Tatum, getting the, the nod to the next level? Well-deserved, um, to say the least, from me. You know, I think Burke is a guy who deserved it. He's been deserving it. Same with Elko and Tatum. All three of these guys have been excellent at their respective levels this season. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them at the higher level. I mean, there is really nothing else for them to show. And it's a product of, you know, we're moving to the second half. They had excellent first halves. They deserve to get the chance to show it at the next level. You know, all three of them are guys that have shown have different skill sets. Um, each of them are pretty different players in their own ways. You know, Burke's definitely more of a contact guy. He's got a lot of versatility. Um, he's got a good approach. He walked a decent amount. He doesn't strike out a ton. Just a well-rounded quality player. Um, and then you look at the other two, we'll get into later, kind of different, you know, skill sets. But Burke's somebody who's just been really solid, consistent. We like the potential of him. He's, you know, he's young, right? He was a draft pick last year, but he's he's shown everything he needs to show at, at Kannapolis and deserves a chance at the next level for sure. What Jacob Berg had to say about when the conversations that he was having, right, in the offseason with White Sox evaluators, I think stood out to me because if you're a fan of the Future Sox podcast, I implore you to hang out and listen to the next episode that will drop, and that includes Josh Nelson and James Fox because we talked about so many different things, but specifically we wondered what these evaluators are telling the players in the White Sox organization, uh, what they need to do to get to the next level. And Jacob Burke mentioned it's not so much stats, Elijah, and I thought that was fascinating. He highlighted expected batting average and as well as uh, expected slugging, right? The velocity off the bat. I think that is something that we need to monitor more and more is what the White Sox are looking for in moving players to the next level. Because when we look at the raw numbers, Tim Elko should have started an advanced day, if we're being honest. And Terrell Tatum probably deserved a promotion to begin June or even a couple of weeks ago. So we're not in the rooms. We're not talking to the players. And of course, we're not there on the day-to-day. But just watching the production day-to-day as fans, we don't know exactly what it is these players have to provide the White Sox in order for them to feel safe to get them to the next level. I thought that was pretty telling because the White Sox are close to the chest about why, the reasons why they're doing specific things. Elijah, I'm just thinking of multiple examples of when the White Sox had opportunities to move players up. Like Oscar Colas last year brought this up on the Future Sox podcast, and he was upset that he couldn't get out of Birmingham, but the White Sox have a plan, and I just felt that was so telling that Jacob Burke mentioned the expected batting average and slugging, as well as other in-depth analytics that I think kind of goes by the wayside when we're evaluating players, because really all we see is the tools in video, or if you're there in person, you can evaluate yourself, and just the raw numbers. So I thought that was very telling. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mike. And I think it goes, again, it goes deeper than the baseline stats with these guys. And it's not just about, you know, is this person putting up numbers? Like you said, it's, there's a lot of things the organization and general baseball evaluators are looking for that go beyond, you know, this are the numbers they're putting up and this is what they're producing at the plate. 
because you want to see growth in specific areas and you want to see growth in places that any of these given players may not have been as good at in the past and the areas you really want them working on. If they're able to work on those areas and show that they've improved, especially in areas of weakness, those are guys you want to promote and you want to reward them for doing better at things you want them to do better at. And it's just, it's, there's so many layers to it when you think about evaluation, especially at, you know, the lower levels of the minor leagues, right? There's guys who can mash in the low, in, in low A, high A even, and then they get up to double AA, A, triple A, and even to the major leagues and they, they struggle and they fall out of the league. And there, that happens a lot with baseball. Baseball is a sport where you have to go through levels and levels to be able to reach the MLB and it there's you have to make sure a prospect is doing the things you want them to do before you consider promoting them and it takes time and I get it and I know we've been saying on here you know when are these guys going to get promoted for a long time especially with Elko and Tatum for myself personally I've been wanting to see them go up for a while now but you got to make sure they're checking the boxes and you got to make sure they're ready for that next level because it, you don't want to stunt their growth and to make things go wrong if you're not preparing them fully for the higher level of baseball. So I'm happy that it worked out and I think it's going to be a, a good situation for all three of these guys. And, you know, it just it takes time sometimes. When you say stunt growth, I think of creating bad habits because you're overwhelmed by the level of competition. And I think the White Sox want to protect themselves as much as possible and be absolutely sure. Um, it, it's, it's a fine line because there are examples of other players who are ready to get promoted as well, like Tristan Stevers, for example, a relief pitcher who is 24 pitching an advanced day and looking for a promotion to the next level because, again, playing above his competition at 24 years old, it's just the White Sox have a plan, and their plan has been close to the chest, and that's – Something that I wanted to bring to the air because I think it's significant to highlight reasons why they're doing what they're doing. So one example is Jacob Burke. And a lot of the guys that we're talking about are 2022 draft picks. So very inexperienced when it comes to professional baseball. And I think that has something to do with it as well. The Tim Elko promotion is very exciting. We know he can mash. Terrell Tatum in double A is a long time coming. Elijah, when you watch Terrell Tatum, the athleticism really stands out. And as a left-handed bat who may ticket maybe ticketed for a corner outfield spot. He's holding his own in center field. I think the profile is enough for us to, you know, to highlight this player as somebody that we need to pay closer attention to. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Uh, yeah, I've been high on Tatum for a while. You know this. I mean, all season I've been watching him play and just been incredibly impressed, not just by the athleticism, but Tatum's approach for a hitter of his age and especially of his size and makeup is incredibly impressive to me. I, You know, you don't see guys. He has, he has 58 walks as of his promotion. 58 walks would be second in the major leagues right now. And I know that is it's a hard comparison to make, and you don't want to you don't want to say you know he could do this at a higher level necessarily, but the way he approaches at bats is excellent. He knows his speed is such an asset to the team he's playing for that he doesn't mind you know waiting and waiting and waiting for a pitch and taking taking walks as much as he can because you see a guy like him when he gets on base you know he's running and he's even if he's not running he's scoring from first on a double or he's stealing second and then he's scoring on a single or he's you know. It's simple as it is. If you're leading off a game with Terrell Tatum and you get a walk, a walk, a stolen base, he's on second base, two ground balls, and you're scoring a run in the first inning. And I think that's something that the White Sox have struggled with in the past, and right now especially, with you know the situational baseball. And we've, we've talked about this over and over, and I think it's become a bit of a, a tired point at this point. But you know, it's something that is really fun to see from a guy of Terrell Tatum's age. And I think you combine that with his athleticism, his, you know, his bat-to-ball skills, and he's a guy that could could really make an impact. And I know, I know he's not a highly ranked prospect by any means, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Terrell Tatum in Chicago by late 2024. Um, I think there's a chance that happens. And yes, this is going to be another step. The double a, uh, especially in Birmingham is a tough league to play in as a hitter. And I think it's going to take him a little bit of time, but you know, he, he looked great in his first double a game. He picked up right where he left off. He got two hits. Um, he got a two hits, a walk and a hit by pitch yesterday. And he's just continued to look like the Terrell Tatum we know. And I think he's going to be a, a big player for Birmingham. And I'm just excited to see his profile continue to grow. And Tatum turns 24 at the end of July. And when you talk about the end of 2024, I don't think it's out of the question to, that we'll see multiple guys from the 2022 and 2021 draft classes because like, I mean, that to me, Elijah, it seems like the White Sox are headed down that route in 2024. Is, and what I mean by that is relying on internal options ahead of 2025 because look the reality of the situation is contracts are off the books we've talked about this on previous episodes we don't know how much the White Sox are willing to spend and compete when the farm system still needs another year development so it's something to keep in mind and now I think of Jonathan Cannon Jonathan Cannon's ascending very quickly and could very well get a taste of the big leagues in 2024 not to look too far ahead let's reset and get us back into the present and that leaves us to Oscar Colas. Why is Oscar Colas not with the White Sox, Elijah? That's a great question. I, I got it to an extent when they sent him down originally. He got in a slump for a few weeks where he really just looked a bit overmatched and like he wasn't quite ready for big league pitching. But what else do we need to see from Oscar Colas in AAA? You know, he hit three, I think he hit four homers this past week with the Knights. Um, he's really getting back in his rhythm there. It took him a few weeks to adjust when he got sent down. The last week or two, I mean, he looks like he's just better than most people he's facing um, in Charlotte. And it's just, there, there's really no reason. Uh, if the White Sox were rolling out an outfield that we that was producing regularly, I'm fine with it. But I don't know a single person that could look me in the eyes and tell me that Clint Frazier is providing more for this team than Oscar Colas potentially could. Um, you know, it's it's just like we talked about last week with Jose Rodriguez. It's, it's a case of the White Sox just not quite being willing to put things in the hands of these young players. And to some extent, I get that you're trying to compete still. 
you all have all heard my take uh, at this point on what we should be doing in terms of competing or not competing. But either way, I think Oscar Colas helps this team. And I think you need to just let him work through it. You know, you saw there, there's a lot of examples of guys who have gone back down, took a little reset once they came up and made their original debut. And you come back up the second time around and it's a lot less scary. It's more natural. There's less of a spotlight on you midseason. And I think I think it's time. I, I think Oscar Colas has done a lot. His power looks there right now. His swing looks consistent in Charlotte. And I just I think you gotta just let him work through it at the major league level at this point. And I don't really see any particular reason uh, to doubt that and to second guess that when he's been he's he's back to producing the way we all expect him to. It's not like he's not producing in Charlotte. Um, you know, early on there was there's a case to be made in May that you could give him some more time. He wasn't quite the Oscar Colas we all know. But right now, it's like he's he's producing right now. So take him while he's hot, plug him in right field, let him play five days a week, and see what happens because there's really no downside. Yeah, we just got done talking about reasons why the White Sox aren't deciding whether or not to promote a player. And I think this is a fascinating case with Oscar Colas. He's nearing 50 games in Charlotte already in 2023 and you know, six homers, 14 doubles to this point as we record this podcast. I, I wonder, Elijah, if it's a matter of the White Sox waiting to the point of no return. And what I mean by that is if they call Oscar Colas up, they're going to keep him there and maybe they want to pick a lane before they decide if Oscar Colas is ready, because I'm thinking, you know, the White Sox still believe they're in contention, but realistically this isn't a playoff contender right in the AL central. And I wonder if it'll take them until they decide they're out of it for them to commit to Oscar Colas permanently. Yeah, I, I think that might be it. I mean, I, I guess. But even if you're competing, I I think Oscar Colas is more yeah. useful for this for a competing White Sox team than right. a combination of Gavin Sheets and Clint Frazier. I mean, honestly, I, I I think you might be right on that. And that probably is the reality of like, we're going to wait until we're a little more out of things to bring him up. But that's just not the way that good organizations operate. I mean, you see teams year after year bring up young players. I mean... Look at a Michael Harris and the impact he made on the Braves. He came up midseason. He was huge for them. And and these are they're, they're, there's many occasions where guys, where prospects help a contending team. It shouldn't right. be, a prospect shouldn't be looked at as somebody who you decide to play once you're out of contention. These guys can help. They're, I mean, you've been developed. Oscar Colas, we've been expecting him for years to be a huge part of this team. I mean, for a few years now, we've been like, this is going to be a guy for this team. Mm -hmm. So call him up and let him help you. I mean, it just, I, I'm ready for it. And I, I don't see, I don't see the logic. I, 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 you're right. And that probably is the logic, but I don't personally see the logic of waiting till you're out of contention to bring up a guy who could probably help you. I'm just thinking out loud because it's it's hard to it's hard to justify it. And with the White Sox allowing Oscar Colas to be on the opening day roster at the beginning of the season with high expectations, you're wondering what the reason is now when they're fighting to stay alive in the Central. Two more things to get to real quick. Let's celebrate a historic night courtesy Kurt Bloom of the Birmingham Barons. The 2-1 swing, and he hits a bomb out to right field. Will it go? And he's Gonzo Miasis on cue over the Barons' bullpen. 2-1. Swing and a home run out to right center field. No one is going to catch this one. Bullpen. My goodness. That's a fun team. To oh, here we go to right field deep. And there is number three on the night for Miasis. See ya. 
He has hit home runs three, four, and five tonight. Luis Mieses, a 23-year-old left-handed power hitter at this point of his career, went six for six. How about it? In double-A this season, uh, Mieses is looking to get hot. And he's got a 629 OPS overall this year. He spent all of his season in double-A. That's 64 games, nearing 300 plate appearances. That is something that we can celebrate as a guy that we were kind of worried about, uh, like as profiling as a first baseman. He's still a corner guy in the outfield, and um, he is getting sp- uh, spot starts at first base. So just something to note, a historic night for Luis Mieses, a, a top 30 prospect in the White Sox system for years. As we wrap up this episode, Elijah, I want your take on Colson Montgomery because he's performing in the Arizona Complex League since his return, and we hope to see him in Double A Birmingham soon. What are some of the notes that you've gathered uh, upon his return to play? It's exciting to see Colson back. I know we've talked about this with some of the other guys, especially some of the big prospects at the lower levels right now. The first step is getting on the field. I mean, especially when dealing with injuries, like we've said with Noah Schultz and all these other guys in the system, seeing him on the field is great. I am just happy to see Colson back. He looks healthy. He looks comfortable. He looks ready to go. But he's also just, he looks good. You know, he's played seven games. He's got an OPS over 900 right now. He's walking a lot. I mean, I think when you're facing, um, I mean, I think people at, at that level, it calls him Montgomery's obviously at a higher level of baseball than most people he's facing right now. Um, and that's just, he's further in his development. It's just, he's there rehabbing right now. But he's, you know, he's getting pitched around a little bit at times. He's got nine walks in his seven games, but he's also just, he looks comfortable. He looks good in the field. I mean, he's not, he, he looks confident um you know it's you don't get much clips of, of acl baseball but it's from his numbers he looks like he's doing well he's putting the ball in we haven't seen a ton of power quite yet but i think that'll we'll start to see some power output from him uh, but you know he's taking good at bats where colson's a guy who has a really advanced approach for for that level and for his age i think he's always been ahead of his time in terms of his approach to the plate and i think he's going to just keep getting better and i think you know you know seven games in i think probably a week or two more on rehab before he makes his way to Birmingham. Uh, maybe they put him, you know, in Winston-Salem a little bit before he goes up to Birmingham, but I, I think he'll be back mm-hmm. in Birmingham before you know it. And, you know, that's another person in Birmingham that's just going to be fun to watch. And he's he's somebody that we have extremely high hopes for, obviously. He's been the White Sox number one prospect. He's not going to change. That's, he's going to be the White Sox number one prospect for until his debut is most likely. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to see him get back into official minor league games and in Birmingham eventually, and just continue to watch his development because his swing is is really a thing of beauty, um, and he's got the ability to be a true impact lefty bat, which the White Sox, as we know, have not had in a while. And a, a potential starting shortstop for your Chicago White Sox, hopefully, maybe in 2025. Not to say that Tim Anderson's already out the door. I'm just thinking long term. Colson Montgomery projects to be a shortstop. He's in the White Sox organization. I like to see him stick at shortstop, potentially a third baseman moving forward. However, when you talk about the performance of Colson Montgomery in the ACL, I mean, this is about five days ago from LB Pipeline. One of the games Colson Montgomery had included a walk, a bases clearing double, another walk, a line drive single, and an opposite field double. So you could just imagine him spraying the ball to all fields and coming through. I mean, again, you, you nailed it when it comes to the level of competition. I think the expectation was to have Colson Montgomery begin the season in double-A Birmingham. I'd love to see him finish the year there, and uh, we can project and, and dream in 2024. Elijah, a lot of fun this month because you know we got the draft coming up, right? So June is super busy. We're seeing promotions. We're finally getting 
what we wanted in specific guys that we mentioned today. The last two months of the minor league season are ahead of us. The draft is upcoming. We're going to see a lot of talent infused into the system. I'm looking forward to doing this each and every week. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, me too. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a we're going to have a good time and stay tuned with us if you want to hear about, you know, from draft content to promotions, all that other stuff. Uh, we're going to be bringing it to you. We're here every week talking about the performances and highlighting the top prospects across the White Sox minor league system. For Elijah Evans, my name's Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Future Sox Roundup. We'll release episodes next week and every weekend moving forward. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening.